asking you to take your Bibles, please, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We're going to begin our reading in the 26th verse, Matthew chapter 26, and beginning in verse 26. The Word of God says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out unto the Mount of Olives. Let's ask the Lord to bless as we look into his word. Now, Father, I pray that you give us wisdom as we look into your word tonight, settle in our hearts what we're about, what we're doing as we gather to commemorate the body of Jesus Christ, our dear Savior, broken, his blood shed for our sins, that we would never enter into this time without careful consideration or hastily or in any way in error. For Lord, we read in your word that those who do so Receive to themselves even condemnation. So, Lord, I pray that with reverence of spirit and carefulness in your word, we would prepare and be prepared as we gather together this evening to remember the broken body and the blood shed. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. A young man was once asked, what is it exactly that you believe? He said, well, I, I believe what my church believes. Of course, the questioner said, well, what what then is it that your church believes? And he replied, well, my church believes what I believe. And the inquirer said, well, what is it that your church and you believe? And he said, we believe the same thing. Sadly, we're living in a generation that often knows little about what we believe. Truth often, often suffers destruction because traditions are followed without any foundation. Moses understood the danger of that, and in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he said, When your children will ask, what mean ye by the testimonies, and by the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Moses knew that transmitting truth to another generation would be difficult, and so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and verse 21, he says, Now thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. Questions regarding why we do what we do ought to be welcomed. Often young people find themselves in a questioning time, and sadly, some are rebuffed and turned away by those who are too insecure to say, I don't know. But questions ought to be welcomed. Without asking questions, we fall prey to becoming traditionalists, tenaciously holding on to the past, but having no ability to share with others the hope that lies within us. Without the asking of questions, we can fall prey to becoming ritualist. A ritualist is one who repeats the same religious motions over and again, but has no real understanding of what those motions are to mean. This evening, I want us to consider the significance of the Lord's table. 
I want us to do so knowing that we've been receiving communion together as a church in an unusual way over the past many months, but remembering that we're not receiving the Lord's table in an insignificant way. We need to be reminded of the significance of the Lord's table. Those who want to know of the strength of the Mississippi will travel all the way north to Minnesota to find the springs that feed the flow that becomes the roaring Mississippi River. Those who want to know the significance of the Lord's table are wise to open their Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, the 26th chapter. And in Matthew chapter 26, with precious words, Jesus says in verse 29, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new with you in my Father's house. This is the last time the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, is going to commemorate the Lord's Supper, if you will, or Passover, while on earth. He takes two very simple elements, bread and the cup. He allows those two very simple elements to become pictures for us, that provide lessons for us throughout our spiritual journey. For in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is inaugurating the new covenant. And he's ratifying that new covenant soon with his blood. The Lord's Supper was established as a memorial for the church, a memorial for us, for us to understand the significance of this memorial. Confession is always good for the soul. I did not really enjoy my first communion, and my first communion was not a holy communion. I was probably six. I had not yet come to know Christ as Savior. I was not yet baptized, and so month by month when communion was received, I passed it by but longed to participate. Following a Sunday evening service, seeing the elements on the table, I crept up stealthily. I snatched some of the bread from the table and snuck out and ate it privately, and I didn't find what Proverbs says to be true. It wasn't bread eaten in secret that was sweet. (laughs) In fact, it was bread eaten in secret that was found out, and it was not a holy experience. I didn't know what I was doing. I think it's well for all of us when we gather around the Lord's table to gather for communion to know what we're doing. For an understanding, there's great blessing for God's people. So let's ask three commonly asked questions tonight. Questions that are frequently asked and sometimes poorly answered when it comes to the matter of the Lord's table, the matter of communion. First, we ask, what did Jesus mean when he said in verse 26, this is my body, and when he said in verse 28, this is my blood? What did he mean? We're dealing here with the picture, the picture that these elements are meant to present. Now, volumes, believe it or not, have been written on these questions. What did Jesus mean when he said, this is my body, and what did he mean when he said, this is my blood? Let me share with you the Roman Catholic view of what Jesus meant when he said, this is my body. This is from their most recent catechism book. It says, quote, the bread and wine become Christ's body and blood. 
The signs of the bread and wine become, in a way, surpassing our understanding, the body and blood of Christ. The elements become the body and blood of Christ. If you've ever heard somebody pretending to do a magic trick and you've heard the little phrase hocus pocus, hocus pocus is from the mass, the Latin mass, and when the priest says hocus pocus, the Roman Catholic is taught that at that very moment, the elements on the altar become the body and the blood of Jesus. And so when the participants come to receive the wafer, it's not called a wafer, it's called the host. It's called the host because it doesn't represent the body of Christ. In fact, every participant at a Roman Catholic Mass will tell you that as the priest presents the host, typically on the tongue or into the hands of the communicant, every time it's presented, the priest says, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the body of Christ. It's a chant that's repeated over and over. Why? Because Roman Catholicism teaches transubstantiationism, teaching that the elements become the very body and the very blood of Christ. So very early on in church history, those who believed such things and tried to explain them to their neighbors were accused of cannibalism. Christians accused of cannibalism because of a belief that would be something similar to what today's Roman Catholic would call transubstantiationism. Now, Martin Luther, of course, left the Roman Catholic tradition. But remember that Martin Luther was a Roman Catholic monk. And so Martin Luther had a whole lot of Roman Catholic teaching that he had to wrestle with. So, not wanting to believe in transubstantiationism, that these elements actually become on the table the body and blood of Jesus, Luther said that the body of Jesus is with and in and under the elements. Being very careful not to say that the elements are the body or that the element is the body. It's with, it's in, it's under. It's as close to being as it can be, but not wanting to say it is. He was ever so cautious And some would say that Luther taught they become the body and they become the blood when a person ingests them, and this theory is called consubstantiationism. Consubstantiationism. That the consecrated wafer and the consecrated cup in, with, and around are the body of Christ. Some mystical receiving of the body of Christ. The reformers, like Calvin and Knox and Zwingli taught what they called the spiritual presence theory. That somehow, mysteriously, there's a mystical presence of Christ. And so in the Reformed churches today, they are taught there's a mystical presence. Inexplicable, but undeniable. Folks, we believe that the Bible teaches the representative view. That the cup and the bread represent the body and the blood of Christ. We reject the opinion that the bread and the cup becomes the blood and the body. We reject the opinion that the body of Christ is with and in and under the elements. We believe instead 
that the bread and the cup represent the body and blood of Jesus. Or we could say it this way, we believe that they're symbols that spur our memories and cause us to have a spiritual and deep appreciation of the sacrifice of our Savior. And why do we say that? Well, we need to know how to defend our position, don't we? Otherwise, we're simply saying, I believe what my church believes, and my church believes what I believe, and we both believe the same thing. We hold to a representative view. Why? Well, first, because here in Matthew 26, Jesus did not literally distribute his body and his blood to his disciples. He did not literally distribute his body and his blood to his disciples. He distributed the common elements of the Passover. In fact, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 12 that when it comes to the matter of drinking blood, listen to these words. Deuteronomy chapter 12, beginning in verse 23. Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat the life with the flesh. Thou shalt not eat of it, thou shalt pour it out upon the earth as water. Thou shalt not eat it, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee. Had the Lord literally caused the disciples to literally participate in drinking something that was literally his blood, the disciples would have been in shock. They would have been aghast. They would have been, after all, breaking the Jewish law in doing so. And there's no evidence in the gospel accounts that the apostles were in any way put off by what they were invited to participate in. Further, we believe that Jesus Christ was literally a man and literally God. That he is the God-man. But being literally a man, we believe in his incarnation. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean that we believe that the Word, John 1 and verse 14, was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2 says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon Himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man, that He was literally man. In Hebrews chapter 10, we actually hear the words of Jesus from eternity past. In Hebrews 10 verse 5, it says, A body thou hast prepared for me. Jesus lived in a real human body. Not a body that is being sacrificed in some mystical, ongoing way. Not a body that is somehow mysteriously ingested by participants who come together to celebrate the Lord's table. Because Jesus often spoke of himself figuratively, it's fair, it's just, it's honest, it's accurate for us to believe that when he spoke to his disciples on that night of the Passover, he was speaking figuratively. After all, in John chapter 4, Jesus claimed to be the water that could bring everlasting life. In John chapter 8, in verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the door. Was he a door? He was speaking figuratively. In John 15 and verse 5, he says, I am the vine. And even so, we believe that there's a picture that he's presenting in figure when he says, this cup, this cup is my blood. This bread that is broken is my body. He speaks figuratively. But there's a second question. 
having wrestled with what is the picture that's being presented, we ought to be asking the question, so what's the purpose of the Lord's table? And again, much controversy when the question arises, what's the purpose of the Lord's table? Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. What's the purpose of the Lord's table? Listen carefully. Reading again from the Roman Catholic Catechism. The Catechism was endorsed by Pope John Paul and written by Cardinal Radinger, who became the Pope. So it's not that old, this catechism from which I read. And the Roman Catholic Catechism calls participation in the Mass at the altar a sacrament. A sacrament. What does that mean? A sacrament means a visible sign of an invisible grace. That participation, physical participation, allows access of the participant into some very real grace that's been given by God. So this is what the purpose is, according to the Roman Catholic Catechism and Tradition. Quote, because it's the memorial of Christ's Passover, the Eucharist is also a sacrifice. Christ gives us the very body which He gave up for us on the cross and the very blood which He poured out. The Eucharist is thus a sacrifice because it represents or makes present the sacrifice of the cross. The sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. The victim is one and the same. The same now offers to the ministry of priest who then offered himself on the cross. Only the matter of the offering is different. What? Well, what they're saying is that every time a Mass is celebrated, Christ is crucified again. It's an ongoing sacrifice. The priests participate in conjuring, if you don't mind me using that word, in conjuring up the very corporal presence of His body and His blood. Totally ignoring Hebrews 10 and verse 10 which says, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And forgetting that from the day of His death to the present, Hebrews 10 verse 26 says, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Now the Reformed Church, that would be Presbyterian, Lutheran, Anglican, looks at the Lord's table and speaks of the Lord's table as a sacrament. What does that mean? It means a visible sign of an invisible grace. Participation physically gives me spiritual access to grace. Somehow God blesses the physical participation and the participants receive an element of grace. So let me say, sacramentalism is a form of works salvation. It's participating in accessing grace by what we do. It's making physical an activity that can only be accomplished spiritually. You must be born again, is the gospel. 
The gospel is not you must participate in the Lord's table and the taking of the sacred element to ingest into your body some form of mystical grace that will give you heavenly access. We reject the opinion that partaking of the Lord's table somehow mystically assures the participant of their place in eternity and of their forgiveness of sin. By simply participating, there is no grace imparted. We are not sacramentalists. We believe that the Lord's table provides a perpetual memorial. It's very important. A continual remembrance of Christ's death until He comes. Well, how do we ground that opinion? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. When He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord's table is a perpetual remembrance. If you've visited Arlington Cemetery, you've seen what they call the eternal light. It's there to reflect the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It is unfortunate, but it's true that there have been times that that light has gone out. But the remembrance that's celebrated at the Lord's table has never gone out except to go out to all the corners of the earth in simple elements reminding us, reminding us, reminding us of our unworthiness. The Bible reminds us that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, reminding us of our dependence In Romans chapter 6 we read, Our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. For if we've been dead with Christ, we believe that we will live with him. Reminding us of our assurance. 1 Peter 3 says in verse 18, Christ also once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And yes, reminding us of his love. In Matthew chapter 26, with desire, he said, I have desired to eat of this supper. There's a third and final question I want us to consider this evening. We've considered the picture that's presented by the Lord's table, and we've considered the purpose. The last question we need to be asking is, who should participate? And again, it shouldn't surprise us that different traditions have different opinions as to who the communicant should be. Roman Catholic and Reformed churches both answer in similar fashion. Here's the Roman Catholic Catechism once again. You thought you'd never come to a Baptist church and be quoted the Roman Catholic Catechism. But it's best for them to speak for themselves. Here's what they say. The Holy Eucharist completes Christian initiation. Those who have been raised to the dignity of royal priesthood by baptism which of course is administered in infancy, and configured more deeply to Christ by confirmation, which happens sometime around the age of 12 to 14, participate with the whole community in the Lord's own sacrifice by the means of the Eucharist. The Holy Eucharist, the Lord's table, the Mass, is Christian initiation completed. So how do I move 
from not having life to having life? Infant baptism, confirmation, completion at the Mass, participation. And those who cannot participate because they've been excommunicated are excommunicated from participation in the community, not just locally, but universally, and believed to be excommunicated from participation eternally. So constant participation in the Mass and receiving the sacrament that is ingested grace, by that work, some measure of assurance is sought and never found. What of the covenant reformed position? Well, the covenant reformed position, not altogether different, begins the regenerative life, new life, regenerated life in infancy, that allows for confirmation, that allows participation at the Lord's table. Here's Louis Burkhoff, a classic reformed theologian. He says, if question is raised, how infant baptism can function as a means of grace to strengthen spiritual life, the answer is that it can at the very moment of its administration strengthen the regenerate life if already present in the child. If somebody asks the question, why are you baptizing this baby? Well, infant baptism can strengthen the regenerative life if the regenerate life is already present in the child. What happened to you must be born again? What happened to the conviction of sin that leads us to call upon the name of the Lord and whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved? That's done away with an assumption of faith, even in the infant. And that faith is strengthened, that regeneration is strengthened by infant baptism. Listen to what he says. If already present in the child and can strengthen faith later on when the significance of baptism is clearly understood, and then with regard to the Lord's table, Burkhoff says, children who have not yet come to years of discretion are not fit to partake of it. Now wait a minute. If regenerative life was already present in their infancy and strengthened by their infant baptism, how is it that these children who have not come to years can't partake in the Lord's table? It's a conundrum. But as we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we discover who it is that should participate in the Lord's table. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 2, Now I praise you, brethren, key word in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. John chapter 1 says in verse 12, as many as receive him, to them he gives the power to become the, can you finish it? Sons of God. And when you become a son of God, you become part of the brethren. So he speaks to the local church in Corinth. And as he speaks to the local church in Corinth, he's speaking to the brethren. And you recall that 1 Corinthians chapter 11 speaks to us with regard to the Lord's table. For as we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. Unto whom is he speaking? He's speaking to the brethren. We need to remember that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, the Bible says those who received the word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They received the word, they were saved, they were baptized. They were added to the church, and 
Acts 2.42 says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread. Who participated? The brethren, the believer. So we believe in believer's baptism, and we also believe that believers should be invited to the Lord's table. In verse 18 of 1 Corinthians 11, we read something very interesting. He says, for first of all, when you come together in the church, verse 20, and when you come together, therefore, into one place, verse 33, wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, who participates? Believers, when they come together. This is a local church ordinance. There are those who ask the question, do you think it would be well for the minister, the pastor, to carry a communion set and go to the hospital and help people participate in the Lord's table? And the answer, no. This is a local church ordinance when the believers come together. And we would never want to confuse and cause anyone to ever imagine that the simple receiving of the elements could somehow give a measure of grace to any person anywhere. It's a local church ordinance for the believer when they gather together. And the believers who were baptized, again, Acts chapter 2, as many as received his word were baptized, added to the church, continuing, continuing in the apostles' doctrine and the breaking of bread. And being careful, by the way, Because we read in verse 29, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's office. Or the Lord's body, rather. That word unworthily, it's used also in verse 27, often causes confusion. I've I've heard people rather say, I can't participate in the Lord's table because I'm not worthy. That's not how this is to be read. It's to be read this way. Don't participate in the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. There's a difference between an adverb and an adjective. This is an adverb. It's not speaking about who you are. It's speaking about how you behave. And so as you read 1 Corinthians 11, you'll discover that the people were coming together and they were eating and drinking. A fellowship dinner, we would call it. Some were even getting drunk. (laughs) Their manner of partaking of the Lord's table was base. It was wicked. And so the instruction of the Spirit of God is you ought to come reverently. You ought to come carefully and you ought to understand you will never in yourself come worthily. But yet you must come because we're required to do this in remembrance of Him. So what clarity we find? We ought to find this. This is a time of remembrance. It's not a sacrament. We are not sacramentalist. This is a time when a truth is remembered. And a tradition is reiterated, but a tradition with a biblical foundation. So let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Will you stand with me please? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to begin our reading in verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. That you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. There must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may 
be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. But the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. When we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home. But you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. 